Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Oh, what joy came to me when I knew that I was free. When my Savior found me, He put His arms around me. Oh, what joy it came to me. Oh, what joy it came to me. Oh, when I knew that I was free. Oh, when my Savior found me, He put His arms around me. Oh, what joy it came to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then somebody say, I love the Lord and I won't take it back. I love the Lord and I won't take it back. I love the Lord. I love the Lord and I won't take Why? He has been so good to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So good. So good. So very good. Hallelujah. Been so good. Hallelujah. He's been. He has been so good to me. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Oh, living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sin far away. Oh, rising, He justified, freed me forever. One day, He's coming back. Glorious day. Hallelujah. 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 I tell you, old folks knew what it meant to be joyful in the Lord. Amen. Oh, glory. I believe God. Oh, glory. Good to see everybody today. Let's go to John chapter 7. And we want to continue with this that we've been on being skilled in the flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And uh, we're discussing specifically the flow of the Holy Spirit, the different flows of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said there were seven different things or flows that the Holy Spirit would uh, accomplish in our life. And in John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me he that be- and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his inner being, his spirit will flow rivers of living water. Now, this is interesting because Jesus is talking about something flowing out of the spirit to people who are spiritually dead. These people that he's talking to are not spiritually alive. It's impossible for anybody to be spiritually alive because Jesus hadn't died yet. The next verse is a parenthetical statement. All right? Meaning this, that it's there for clarification. In other words, the Holy Spirit who authored the Bible knew that 
in however many years forward that people were going to read that and they're going to wait a minute, that don't make sense. He's talking to spiritually dead people, yet he's talking about something flowing out of their spirit. And John says, but this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which after, note, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus, in this celebratory setting, the Feast of Tabernacles, when they're rejoicing, they're celebrating their deliverance from Egyptian bondage, and they're dancing in the streets, and they're pouring the water out on the altar as a drink offering unto God. Jesus, at the time that the priest is pouring out the drink offering, he stands up and says, hang on, if you're thirsty, come to me. This is a representation of that rock that followed the children of Israel around in the wilderness. And Paul says that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. Why? Because Jesus says that living water comes out of Him. So in this celebratory setting, He says, If you're thirsty, come and drink of Me, and out of your spirit will flow rivers. Notice it's plural, rivers. Remember He said to the woman at the well, He said, if you believe on me in your belly, there'll be a well. A well, that's salvation, personal use. All right. Isaiah said in the, uh, he said in uh, Isaiah 12, he said, with joy, we'll draw water out of the wells of salvation. All right. So there's salvation, there's joy in your salvation or there's victory there, and the way you draw it out is through joy. But Jesus says, once I'm glorified and the Holy Spirit makes His appearance, there will be rivers that can flow out of you. Amen. Do you see this? So there's a Holy Spirit flow for every area of our life. A Holy Spirit flow for every area. John chapter 14. And... uh, Verse 26. Actually, before you go there, let's just, let's just go over these briefly. He, says, he said there were seven things the Holy Spirit would do. He would teach us all things, bring to our remembrance what is taught. We talked about this one last week. Reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Guide us into all truth, speak what he hears, show us things to come, and glorify Jesus. Amen. I made the statement throughout this series that in order to properly understand the relationship, because remember that Jesus said this, he said, it's expedient for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the comforter, the counselor cannot come. And the the Greek says, one just like me. One just like me. And and we talked about how that we have a teacher of the same caliber as Jesus on the inside of us. And I made the statement that if, if you are going to understand the working of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand, at least to a large extent, the Trinity, the way the the the, the Godhead. Uh, the a lot of times people shy away from that because when you study theologically. In theological circles, the Trinity is referred to as this, one of the unfathomables of theology. Because the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. But then it says that there's three that are one. 
And so you'll hear people explain it this way. That, well, there's one God with three different personalities. It's not what the Bible says. It says there are three people that are one. And then there are people who try to explain it this way. Well, I'm, I'm Philip, and I'm a husband, and a father, and a pastor. Those are things I do. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say there are three, and these are things that they do. Or there's one, and these are things that they do. It says there are three that are one. It's important. Amen. Why? Because they, they think alike. They act alike, they perform alike, and not just alike as the other one would, because they're one. Amen. And, and we're not going to take a long time on this, but I just want to hit on this before we move forward. For instance, in the book of Luke chapter 1, when Gabriel was talking to Mary, he said, he said uh, 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 talking about, she said, how will these things be? He said, the Holy Ghost will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and that which will be born of you will be the Son of God. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three separate entities operating in that situation. Right? The power of the Most High, the Holy Spirit, the Son being born. In Luke 4, you remember that Jesus was being baptized, and it said when He'd come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost in bodily form, descended on him like a dove. Not the bodily form of a dove. They saw the bodily form of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove would descend and lighting on him. And they heard a voice from heaven. Where was the voice from? Heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? Now God wasn't throwing His voice. Oh, this is my beloved Son. God was in heaven on His throne. The Son was in earth on, on, in the water. And the Holy Spirit was descending. Amen. What does that tell us? They all have their work. Jesus was in the earth to do the work of the Savior. God the Father was showing His approval from heaven by the sending of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 says that Jesus was a man approved by God with signs and wonders among you that the signs and wonders that Jesus worked were evidence of His approval by God. Evidence of our approval to God is the fact that Jesus came. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the, in the beginning with God. Watch, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Yet, Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, God created. Yet, John 1 says, the Word created. And the Word is the reference to the Son. In Genesis chapter 1 also, you see that the Spirit hovered or, 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 or floated over the face of the deep. God is saying, the Son is creating what the Father said, and the Holy Spirit's bringing it into existence. They all are working on the same project as one, yet three different people and three different responsibilities. And if you don't understand that, sometimes because of the way we say things, someone will say, well, the Lord said to me, Scripture says it's the Holy Spirit saying to you. 
Now that you may think that was well, just a definition of terms. No, 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 it's not. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to be in the earth and to put us in remembrance of everything that Jesus has said to us. Amen. 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 Jesus is in the earth through the Holy Spirit. God is in the earth through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God was in Jesus reconciling men to God. So when Jesus walked the earth, the Father was in Him reconciling people to Himself. But Paul said, now that Jesus has ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit has returned, the word of reconciliation is committed to you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in us, so therefore Jesus is in us, so therefore God is in us, and we're the ones responsible for preaching the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've, I've, got, I've got to have a, a firm grasp on this. Am I helping you? Amen. The Father planned salvation. The Son was sent by the Father to work out salvation. And the Holy Ghost was sent by the Father and the Son to apply salvation. Amen. So God planned it. Jesus bought it. And the Holy Spirit put it into operation. Hallelujah. So when Jesus said, one of the same caliber as me, it wasn't almost like, it was when you hear the Holy Spirit talk to you, Jesus is talking to you. Because they're one. Am I helping you? Hallelujah. So John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, now notice, this is important because Jesus is talking and He's referring to another person. Personal attributes are always used for the Holy Spirit. Jesus called Him a He. He said that He can be grieved. He said that He can be hurt. Isn't that what the Bible says? It, it, it says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of joy, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of understanding. All of those things. That, that, that's the, it's a very personal attribute. And, and, and yet, he may not possess a body, but you don't have to have a body to be a person because it's the person, it's the attributes of the person that make you a person. Amen. The Holy Spirit can think. He can be lied to. That's another one that proves. If, if the Bible says in the book of Acts, remember what Peter said, that that. that that statement that he made to Ananias, he said, how has Satan beguiled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Then what did he say? You haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. I thought he lied to the Holy Ghost. He did, he lied to God. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a person. And Jesus says he is the comforter or the counselor. Right? which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. There we see it again. There's the Comforter, who is a person. There's the Father, who is a person. And He's being sent in the name of another person, in the name of Jesus. Notice what He'll do. He'll teach you all things. We talked about that. Here's the one we'll look at today. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. Is that what it says? So, 
Hallelujah. One of the flows of the Holy Spirit is that of a divine reminder. A divine reminder. He teaches all things and brings all things that we've been taught to our remembrance. God never says anything to just say it. There's two things. He says it for you to say it, and He says it for you to remember it. Because ever what God said is an eternal word. I've had people say, well, God said this about me some years ago, and you know, I fooled around and, and, and I didn't get on it. You know, is, is that still God's plan? Did He say it? Then every word of God is an eternal word. And God will bring those things to your remembrance. That word remembrance means to cause one to remember. Or to suggest to the memory. To cause one to remember or to suggest to the memory. Now that requires relationship. That requires relationship. You've got to engage the divine reminder. Amen. In this flow of the Holy Spirit, He'll cause us to remember or suggest to our memory what's been said in the Word. When uh, Brother Hagin had just received his healing, and uh, he had went and eaten breakfast with his family, and, and then he came back into the room, he came back into the room and he said, well, I'll just lay down for a little bit. You know, he's only 89 pounds, right? And so he said, I'll lay down for a little bit, then I'll walk uptown. And he said he was laying there on his bed, and he said all of a sudden he heard that voice. It is a, what is your life? It is but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And then, and today you shall surely die. And he said, I sat right straight up and said, who said that? And I won't go into all of it, but for a number of hours, two, three hours, he sit there. And that voice kept saying, you know, uh, what is your life? It's but a vapor. And he said, then the devil started talking to him. He said, yeah, you got your healing all right. And, and everybody's going to see that God's a healer, but, you know, you're, you're going to die. And, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And he said, I was sitting there in the chair, just about to lose heart. Watch. And he said... All of a sudden, up out of, my, up out of my spirit, out of my spirit, floated these words. With long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Right? And he said, where's that at? Psalm 91, the voice came back. The divine reminder. I'll remind you or I will suggest to your memory what has been said in the word. So here's a, a, a young man that was born and raised Baptist, knew nothing about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, right? But he's sitting there, and he, was, he listened to what the divine reminder said, and then the divine reminder kept taking him through to the New Testament in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, that it may be well with you, and your days may be long upon the earth. And he said, when I read that, I thought, that's it, that's it. And he said, I jumped up and said, let me tell you, I'm not going to die today. I'm not going to die tomorrow. Not Right? Because the divine reminder suggested a, a scripture that he had never read. Remember, he said, when I started reading the Bible, he said, I saw an Old Testament and a New Testament. 
and they told me I could die any day, so I thought I better start with the new because I don't have time for the old. So he had never read the Old Testament, but yet that's where the divine reminder started with him was Psalm 91. Never say this. You know, something told me. No, never refer to the Holy Spirit as a something. He is a person. Don't disrespect the divine reminder by saying something or it. Always refer to Him for what He is. He is the third person of the Godhead bodily. He is God the Holy Spirit who has a divine mandate to remind you of everything God said. Glory be to God. Amen. So, amen. John 14 and 18. Whoo, glory. Oh, glory to God. John 14 and 18. Jesus said, this is right after He talked about the Spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. So we see here, Jesus said He would not leave us comfortless. The center column reference says orphans. That word comfortless, it means those bereft of a teacher, a guide, or a guardian. Or orphan, those who are bereft of a teacher, a guide, or a guardian, those that are orphaned. So because of the Holy Spirit, I'm not without a teacher. I'm not without a guide. I'm not without a guardian. I'm not an orphan. See, that shows us the Father heart of God. I'm going to send you one with a heart just like mine. A father wants to teach and train and direct and help guide and give suggestions. You know, when your children are smaller, especially when they're real little, it's easy to do everything for them. But if you don't start sometime letting them do and suggest the best way, You'll harm them. And once they get up to be adults, how many know you got adult kids? The only thing you can do is suggest. Right? They're grown. Can't can't make you do anything. i got to suggest it to you. God never makes anyone do anything. He never makes His children do anything. He gives us the Holy Spirit to suggest, to remind, to, to, to implore us, to bring to our remembrance... Why? Because that's how the Father heart of God works. God's not trying to make anyone do anything. He's giving us the suggestion, the understanding, the knowledge to act on what He wants us to act on. Oh, glory. So I'm not without a teacher, a guide. I'm not an orphan. Say out loud, I'm not an orphan. Oh, glory be to God. Now notice, right there you're in John 14, notice verse 27. Glory to God. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Now wait a minute. I thought he was leaving the Holy Ghost. He said, peace I'm leaving with you. Well, Jesus is the prince of peace. So if, if, the, if Jesus, the bodily presence of Jesus, left the earth, Yet he said, one just like me is coming back. 
then the spirit of peace had to come back as well. And Jesus is saying, I'm not leaving you without peace. Peace is coming back to you. And it's my peace, the same kind of peace you've had since I've been with you, is the same kind of peace you're going to receive. Oh, glory. Do you see this? So he says, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The New Living Bible says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. So Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you in an atmosphere of peace. You're not being abandoned. You're not being left alone. You're not being left behind. Amen. You're not going to be deprived of a teacher or a guide. In the person of the Holy Spirit, I'm leaving you my peace. Amen. So one of the ways the Holy Spirit gives peace is by bringing to our remembrance what's been said to us through the Word. Amen. So in order to access this peace continually, I have to engage the Holy Spirit regularly. Regularly. Amen. The fact that he's a person means that he can be known. The fact that he's a person means I can enter into conversation with him. You understand? The fact that he's a person and these attributes are assigned to him means that I can engage him regularly. I can ask him questions and receive answers. From who? The Holy Spirit. The best way to receive anything is to receive it in your spirit by faith. I can receive this in my spirit. Amen. This is the importance of listening. Why? Because his nature is to bring things to our remembrance or suggest. That's the importance of listening. I've, I've, been, I've, I've, I've counseled a few people over the years, and I don't like that word, but it's, it's the word we use. And I've had people come in, and they'll say, well, I need, to, uh, I need to ask you some questions. And they'll sit down and start telling me things. And finally, I'll stop them and say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on. You haven't asked me anything. You're telling me a lot. But you haven't asked me anything. I can't help you if you're telling me. I can only help with an answer if you're asking. He will bring to your remembrance what has been said. That's his nature. He brings to our remembrance or he suggests. At, 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 at what point does he suggest when you ask? Amen. That's the importance of listening. Listening to what's being said. But not just listening to what's being said by a person. Listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Right now, today, sitting in this, in this congregation, there are things the Holy Spirit will say to you that I may not even utter or say out of my mouth, but the Holy Spirit will say it to you or bring it to your remembrance. Sometimes a scripture will be read and the Holy Spirit will say, yeah, I told you that six months ago. That's what I want for your life. Amen? Oh, glory to God. That's the importance of listening. 
Look at Luke 24. Let's look at a few things. Luke chapter 24, because this is so important. Concerning, because everything that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, at some point in the four Gospels, you will find Jesus basically acting it out. He says in Luke 24, and we're going to read a few verses here. We're going to read from 13 to 27. And I know you've read this and heard it taught on before. But I want you to see something. This is after he had arisen, Jesus. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs or seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Jesus' death and burial. And it came to pass that while they communed and reasoned, Jesus himself... Now notice something. They're communing and reasoning with a human communication and a human reasoning. And we know from the verses that follow this what they were saying. How could this be? We thought He was the Son of God. Every time you get over into the question... Let me say it this way. You make it harder for the teacher to suggest. If you don't know the answer, quit rolling that fact that you don't know the answer around in your heart. Because there is an answer, but you won't hear it or see it focused on the question. Right? Because the more you ask the question, the more you focus on it in your mind. Eventually, your spirit's going to reach out and grab it. Hallelujah. And so they're saying, how could this happen? That's that's what they're communicating to to, to each other. It says, it came to pass that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden or restrained that they should not know Him. Now, when you read different commentaries and these different things, some will say God restrained their eyes, that God was hiding this. Why would He do that? See, don't ever be afraid to ask the question. When you read something in a commentary and it doesn't make sense, always ask why. What, what, the, the same God that said He's not hiding anything from us. What, Mark 4, Matthew 13? They all say that. That there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. That's not talking about sin. That's talking about the person that applies themselves to the Word. There's nothing in the Word that won't be revealed to them. We have a series called The Measure That You Measure. We teach on that. That there's nothing in the Word that won't be revealed to you. God is not hiding from these men the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. What is restraining them from seeing? Well, maybe Jesus did look different. He was glorified. He had been glorified. I mean, he was a new creature at this point, not because he had sinned, but because he'd been to hell and defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose again. I don't know why they didn't recognize him other than they were were focused on his death and and his burial. That's not what Jesus told them to focus on. Well, I'll show you from the Word. Notice this. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, name was Cleopas, 
answering, said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem, and you don't know the things that are come to pass in these days? I like what Jesus says. Uh, um, what things? <laughs> and they said, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, with, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified, but we trusted. Now notice, we trusted. Not we trust. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So Jesus has not been risen very long. This is the third day. Do you see this? And certain women of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Now they've got a report on the third day that his body is gone. Is that right? And certain of them, which certain, Peter and John, went to the tomb. And sure enough, he wasn't there. But notice, but uh, they didn't see him. Well, that should have been evidence that what he said was right. What happened? They forgot what he said. They forgot what he said. They forgot what he said. Have you ever wondered how many people heard Jesus preach and never paid attention to what he said because they wanted the loaves and fishes or a miracle? And that's all they were there for? People will say, out of all the multitudes that Jesus ministered to, why was there only 120 in the upper room? Because they were the only ones that listened to what he said. He didn't make that statement to just 120. He made that statement on the Mount of Ascension where there was a multitude around him. And he said, I'm sending the promise of the Father, and you go and tarry in Jerusalem until it comes on you. Is that what he said? But there were only 120 that listened. You got to engage him. Now notice, verse 25. Then Jesus said, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus, notice, these men had forgotten what Jesus said. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was the counselor of the same kind as I am. Whatever we see Jesus do in the Gospels, we can expect to see the Holy Spirit do in our lives. And notice, these men had forgotten what Jesus said, but because Jesus is the one the Holy Spirit models himself after, what did Jesus do? He brought to their remembrance what had been said about his death, his burial, and his resurrection from the Scriptures. 
So it says, him they saw not, yet it was the third day. It's important that we remember that. Amen. Look at verse 31. And then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Notice this. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. That should have been an indicator. Wait a minute. Same thing happened when Jesus talked to me. Have you ever noticed that, that people will talk about the Lord said, the Holy Spirit said, uh, 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 they'll even say the, 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 uh, 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 the Father said to me. The voice is never any different. The voice that Jesus spoke with here was no different than the voice he used with them three and a half years in his earthly ministry because it caused the same effect. It caused the same response. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Do you see this? Jesus reminded them. Notice the result. Their eyes were opened. Here's the problem that we run into a lot in church. And, and I've been pastoring long enough to say this. It's that the things that I think I know, I don't think I need to hear again. And revelation is lost. I had a guy tell me one time, I, I had been preaching. We, we had not been pastoring the church very long. And I had been preaching. I was in my 22nd week of preaching on Mark 11, 23, and 24. 22 weeks. And at that time, we were having service on Monday. We had intercessory prayer on Monday. We had service on Wednesday. We had service on Friday. And we had uh, two services on Sunday. At one time, we had three services on Sunday. Two morning services and one evening. And uh, in any event, I, I saw this illustration so plainly. Because there was an usher, one of the ushers that sat in the back by the back door. Good, great guy. Not, not cold or indifferent, but great guy. And I remember in that 22nd week, I preached on Mark 11, 23, and 24, and I talked about Jesus saying, you could have what you say. And I saw the light come on. And he almost ran to me after church and said, Pastor, I saw it today. I can have whatever I say. Now, the cynical part of you wants to say, yeah, you've only been in 22 straight services. You know, but here, here's the point. All the time, the Holy Spirit was dealing with him. And then one day when that word is spoken that he's heard all these weeks, right, going into months, the Holy Spirit quickened it. The Holy Spirit quickened it. Amen. These men said what they knew. Well, we thought he was the Messiah, I mean, you know, but they took him and they killed him. But Jesus, read it. Every time he said, the Son of Man's going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men, they're going to crucify him, they're going to bury him, but on the third day I'll rise again. He never left out, on the third day I'll rise again. Yes. Praise God. Come on. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Notice Matthew 28. Actually, let me... Uh, let me you go to Matthew 28. Let me take a quick uh, sidebar here. Come 
Uh, to, uh, I'm, I'm going to read to you from Hebrews 2. And it says, now remember that, that Paul in writing this book, very often we use verse 14 uh, to talk about our ministering angels that are at our uh, disposal, and they are. I'm not making light of that. But he says, beginning in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, if you just start in verse 14 and go in the letter format, are they not all angels, ministering spirits, sent to minister for them that shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore, or in light of that, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, every transgression, disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken, notice, by the Lord... And was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So notice what he says. He says we should give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard so we don't let them slip. All right. It carries the idea of a boat coming up to a dock and sliding right on by. I missed the docking point. So it's more than just forget. It's to let it slip out of my life. It's to let it slip out of my grasp. Revelation can be lost. That's why the Lord said something to Pastor Nancy Dufresne one time. He talked to her about picking up Revelation. And and she was preaching at this time on, uh, especially on uh, what Norval Hayes had talked about concerning worship. And and Brother Norval wrote a book about worship a long time ago. and, And the Lord said in that book, he said to him, He said, my people can have anything they want if they'll just learn to worship me. And so the Lord told her, you need to pick that up and start saying that again. Because revelation can be lost. Very often what people call revival is just a representing of revelation that was lost. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes in our circles, we think everybody knows the word of faith. That everybody, everybody preaches it and teaches it. They don't. And, and there are people that get a hold of it and they're like, my God, where, where have I been all my life? Where has this been all my life? And you think, well, we hear that all the time. But he says, give the more earnest heed. Pay attention to what? What we have heard so we don't let it slip. Or let it run out as leaking vessels. Because he says, if the word that was spoken by angels in the Old Testament was steadfast and you would receive what they said, basically he's saying, how much more will we have what we see that was spoken by the Lord? And confirmed to us by them that heard him. So my job is hold on to what I have been taught. Listen to what's being said. Why? One day you're going to need it. And the divine reminder will come along and put his finger and remind and suggest to you what was said. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you went to Matthew 28. Is that right? All right. Matthew 28. 
And notice, let's start in verse 6. And uh, notice what Jesus said. The angel said, he's not here, he is risen. As he said. As he said. In other words, here's what's being said. You should know this. He's not here. Have you ever noticed that question? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, like he said. So that's not information. It is a subtle rebuke. Why are you here looking for Jesus on the third day when he said he was going to raise again? Right? Mm. (laughs) He says, go quickly, tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. Verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Jesus reminded them of what he had said. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. I'm going to show you this from the Scripture, but but just to tell you. Jesus said over and over again, when I rise, I'll go to Galilee. In the Last Supper, He tells them, I'm going to be crucified and die and go into the ground. The third day I'm going to raise again and I'll go to Galilee. And all, all the disciples are sitting around Him listening to that. How do you miss that? Hallelujah. Well, we see how they were missing it. They they were talking about who was the greatest. Right? Peter was too busy making sure that, 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 you know, Jesus didn't wash his feet. Judas had betrayal on his mind. Right? And, and they're all sitting around the table, and Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to die. Oh, Lord, I'll go with you to the death. Okay, Peter, listen, here's what's going to happen. Before the rooster crows three times, or twice, you're going to deny me three times. I'll never deny you. And you know what it says about Peter? Then he remembered what the Lord said. Then. Why didn't he remember it before? When the maiden came and said, you know him, you're part of his group, why didn't he remember it then? Because he hadn't listened. And then the rooster crowed and he thought, oh my God, I did just what he said. Amen. But how many know it was too late? He had already did it. So they're sitting around the table and he says, I'm going to go before you into Galilee. Yet on the third day, none of them are there. They're hiding. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? The women were the only ones that weren't cowards. (laughs) Just saying. 
Amen. He said, let's give it to him like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the, 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 the issue is, Jesus reminded these women to tell the disciples what he said. What he had already said. He didn't come up with something new. The Holy Spirit cannot remind you of something you're not hearing. Notice this. In uh, verse 31 of uh, Matthew 26. Then saith Jesus to them, All you shall be offended because of me this night. For it's written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm risen, I will go before you into Galilee. After I'm risen, I'll go before you into Galilee. Now why is that important? Because he said it. He's giving them an instruction. At this point, he's being the comforter, the counselor. He doesn't want them grieving and bereft. The proper attitude at the crucifixion of Jesus by the disciples should have been, he's going to rise again. Is that right? Yeah, but how could they help but be sad? It was there. He's going to rise again. He, folk, Jesus talked about the price, talked about the penalty he was going to have to pay, but he focused on the victory of the resurrection. I'm going to die. They're going to betray me, but I'm going to rise again. Remember? And what Peter said, oh, far be it from you, Lord. Pity yourself. Feel bad for yourself. Spare yourself. Miss the whole thing about the resurrection. Am I helping you? So he's saying, when, I, when you hear I'm risen, go to Galilee. I'll meet you there. So the challenge that the disciples faced was keeping their focus on what he had said. When you read Mark chapter 4, the main challenge in most of those types of ground which represent the hearts of people, the main challenge was keeping a hold of the Word. Right? The, the, the first ground says they were sowed on wayside soil, on the hard-packed earth, and the, and the fowls of the air came and took it. Well, it was hard ground, right? It couldn't hold on to the Word. It was taken. All of those verses say taken or choked. They become unfruitful. Right? The second ground says that they, they, were, they, were, they were sown uh, on, on hard ground, stony soil, where there's a little bit of earth, just a little, and the seed grows and it grows as far as it can. When the sun comes up, it doesn't have the nutrients to hold on, and it dies. The third kind of ground was sown among thorns, the, 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 lust of the, the, the lust of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of other things, they enter in, choke the word, choke the word, choke the word, and it, the word, Mark 4 says, it, the word, becomes unfruitful. Matthew 13 says the man becomes unfruitful. 
And so you sow the word, and if you, if you don't clear the ground, if you don't dig down, if you don't remove those things, then you only have that little bit of earth, and what will happen? Then the, the, the things that you deal with on a daily basis will choke the word out of your life and eventually get you. I got to remember what was said and hold on to what is said. And the Holy Spirit will remind me of what was said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. Luke 24. Notice Luke 24. And verse 44. And he said to them, These are the words which I spoke while I was with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So what did he do? He said, these are, these are the things I spoke while I was with you. This is what I said while we were together. That this is what was going to happen. Everything concerning me had to be fulfilled. Amen. You know, in another account in the four Gospels, when Jesus showed up, I believe he came through the wall, right? said, peace. Then what was the next thing it says he did? And he upbraided them because of their unbelief. Jesus had a low tolerance for unbelief. Why would he upbraid somebody who had been grieving over his death? Because that's not what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to go meet me in Galilee. Amen. The Holy Spirit will remind you of that. Oh, man, it seems like everything's tough. Yeah, but the, the, the Holy Spirit will say, this is the year of the manifestation of your expectation. Amen. What scripture did he give you? What, what, what did the Lord say? See, the divine reminder will bring that to your remembrance. I've got to be listening. Amen. Everybody, not you, because it's known far and wide that Faith Builders Little Rock is a spirit-led church. We can hear the Spirit of God and, uh, and, and respond to the Spirit of God. Amen. But there are, there, there are people that don't know what to do because they, the, the, the divine reminder has no access to them. Not because he doesn't live in them, not because he doesn't want to. He doesn't have access because they're not listening. It doesn't matter what knowledge or wisdom that I or anyone else possesses. If you, are a, if you refuse to listen and give ear to it, it can't help you. Amen. The Holy Spirit is that divine reminder. He'll remind you of what you've read or learned. And when He does, you'll receive further revelation. Notice it says, verse 45, Then opened He their understanding. Say it out loud. Say, Lord, Lord open my understanding. See, that, 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 that's what He desires to do. Amen. One example of that is, is the, the book I wrote, Every Day is a Faith Day. That's how Every Day is a Faith Day came about. 
I was reading one day, and I, I was reading through Mark 11, and I got to uh, verse 22, and it says, have the faith of God. And I read it in the Woos translation, and it says, have the faith of God continually. And when I read that word continually, the Holy Spirit said to me, every day is a faith day. You've got to be up every day using your faith on something. Why? Because we teach and preach that faith is like a muscle, and for it to be strong, you've got to use it. Well, you've got to use it every day. If you don't do something every day, you know, they, they, they say that sitting and being stationary and sedentary is the new smoking. That it's just as harmful for you as smoking. What does that mean? You need to be moving. You need to be in activity. A body in motion stays in motion. Right? Faith in motion stays in motion. Faith that, used, that is used is strong faith. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of that. One, one, one day I was praying, and I was asking the Lord about all He's asked us to do. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I'm not doubting. I just need to know how are we going to do this because I just, don't, I just don't see it. And He said, you've got to increase. He reminded me of what He'd said. You've got to increase. Because He told us, I need you to press in the increase for everything I'm asking you to do. So I said, you've got to increase. It wasn't mean. It wasn't harsh. I've never had the Lord be mean or harsh with me. I've never even had him be, uh, 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 you know, a lot of people talk about real direct. And I mean, he's been straight to the point. But he's, the Lord's never been ugly with me. So he wasn't being ugly. It was a reprimand, but it was a reprimand in love. You've got to increase. When you go to the Holy Spirit and you go to the Father and you go to the Son, and you pray, and you believe God, you're going to receive an answer. Because that is His job, is to give you an answer, to remind you of something that was told you. Glory be to God. Amen. That, that, that's, that's the importance of coming to church. That's the importance of being in the Word. That's the importance of listening to CDs, watching online, doing what you need to do. Why? The Holy Spirit will remind you of something you've heard. Do you see this? Hallelujah. So He is the divine reminder. Reminding us of those things that we've read or that we've learned. And when he does, you'll receive further revelation. The Bible is a book of expanding revelation. And the reason it's a book of expanding revelation was it was written by an infinite being. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God. Well, the Holy Spirit is unlimited in His intellect, unlimited in His understanding, unlimited in His wisdom. He put in the Word and put it in the Word in such a way that we could grasp it to an extent with our finite mind. But the more you study it, the more your mind becomes like Christ. And the more your mind becomes like Christ, the more you take on the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And the more you take on the attributes of the Holy Spirit, the greater understanding and wisdom and revelation you can have. Because there are things, for instance, when you read John 3.16, that's not all there is there. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why was it put that simple and that concise? Because Jesus was talking to an unregenerate man that did not have the Holy Spirit, and He couldn't understand it in any other way. 
But yet you get over into the Pauline Revelation and you get into Romans and you get into Hebrews and you get into Colossians and Paul says things that Peter said blows your mind. That's what he said. Not in those exact terms. But he said, as our brother Paul wrote, as he does in all of his epistles, things which are hard to understand. Right? But he said, nonetheless, it's true. Well, Paul, listen, Paul was maybe besides Jesus the greatest apostle that ever lived, but I want you to understand something. The knowledge and the understanding that he possessed is not unattainable by us. The Holy Spirit wanted you to understand what Paul said, so he put it in his book and he put it in revelation terms that you could understand, but you may, you may think that this right here is so, some kind of revelation, but you'll be reading it one day, and the Holy Spirit will say, have you ever thought about this? He's suggesting something to you. So John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But then Paul expounds on it and says, not only did God love the world, He proved how much He loved the world by sending Jesus when you were still sinners. And not only did He save you from hell, He made you His children, and now God is your Father, Jesus is your elder brother, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Mind blown. Because that's a further revelation. How did, how, did, how did Paul get that? How did Paul determine that? How did Paul receive that? The divine reminder. Because Paul was raised on the scriptures. Every revelation that Paul received, yes, he received it directly from Jesus, but it had its foundation in the Old Testament. Because there was no New Testament. He was writing it. And that's why all throughout Paul's writings, he refers back, as the Scripture said. There was no Romans or Hebrews or Philippians to refer back to. He was referring back to, to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all of the Old Testament books. And what was the Holy Spirit doing? He was showing him this revelation about Christ and then going back and reminding him where it was in the Scripture. Hebrews is a, is, is a book of divine revelation that the Apostle Paul wrote about the high priesthood of Jesus from the Old Testament. And he reminded him of that. We, we are in a society right now that needs truth more than we've ever needed it. And the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to bring it to us. I say the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to bring it to us. Glory to God. Say out loud, I have within me a divine reminder that will remind me of all I've heard and bring to my remembrance those things I need to know in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I know things that I don't know I know. There's, there's two things as we're closing that I feel like I need to touch on. The, the first one is this, is, is whatever God has told you about your life, and I dare say this word, and your ministry, He hadn't changed His mind. 
He hadn't changed his mind. And, and, and what people will do very often is they'll get caught up in, in <laughs> they'll get caught up in that Martha spirit. And I'm so busy just making things happen that I fail to press into what God wants me to press into. Amen. Whatever God's asked you to do, your job is just go after it and the Holy Spirit will remind you how to do it. Amen. Amen. I can't tell you, over the years, over the years, I can take you back to the exact place. Whenever there would be a challenge in the ministry. I, 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 I always go back to this. And uh, uh, I am a voracious listener of my pastor. If, if you get in my car, his CD's in my car. If you, if you look on my, my uh, uh, USB flash drive, he's in it because he's my pastor. And I can't tell you how often over and 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 over. Am I emphasizing enough? I would hear him teaching on something totally different. And he would he would almost stop and say, I remember the day when I was in Southern California at Ed Dufresne's house in his basement praying and the Holy Spirit came in that room so strong that I began to weep and the Holy Spirit said I want you to go back to Little Rock Arkansas and I want you to found a church there and I want you to raise up a spiritual production center producing life city state nation and world you've heard him say that right over and over and over again he would talk about how when challenges would come he would remind himself through the Holy Spirit that we're here to raise up a spiritual production center, producing life, city, state, nation, and world. Over and over and over and over again, when you will face challenges, the Holy Spirit will come to me or He'll come to my wife and He will say, your job is to build faith and frame worlds by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will always remind you of your purpose, of God's plan for you and what you need to stay focused on. Amen. And that will, that will get you not just over the hump, that keeps you in alignment with His purpose. That keeps you in alignment with His purpose. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? God has placed this church in this city for such a time as this. Because there's things in the spirit that have to be picked up and they have to be put back in alignment and they have to be put back in their proper perspective because I'm telling you and I'm saying this to you by the spirit of the Lord I'm telling you that there's a revival of the word coming the Lord said to us about 2021 he said that that there's going to be a hunger for the truth in 2021 like you have not seen and he said people will hunger the truth of the word of God in 2021 like a strong man desires food and you'll see a revival of the word. I got to remind myself of that. I got to let the Holy Spirit remind me of that. Because the enemy will try to get you stuck wherever you're at. Amen. In the day we're living in, you got to rely on the spirit of truth more than ever. Because folks, listen, I'm not, 
I want to say this right. When you hear something, you need to consult the spirit of truth. Because there are so many agendas out there. Amen. Adolf Hitler said something. He said, how convenient is it for leaders that men do not think? He said, if you tell a big lie and you tell it long enough, people will believe it. And then he wrote in his book, Mein Kampf, he wrote in his book, it seems the bigger the lie, the easier it is for people to believe it. Now, he only killed over 11 million people. So how do you kill 11 million people? You lie to them. Amen. What we're facing in our nation right now is not just a political fight. It's a battle for the life of our nation. And I'm not preaching partisan politics. I don't do that. What I'm telling you is this. Is there are lies being told. And if you're not listening to the spirit of truth, you can believe a lie. The bigger the lie. We're going to give you free health care, free school, free living. Does that sound too good to be true? What the man say if something sounds too good to be true? Then the other side says, where, where are they going to get all that money? They, they, nobody has access to that much money. Do you know how many hundreds of millions of people there are in America? You cannot give everybody free health care. It's a lie. You can't do it. They tried it. Remember the previous administration tried it. And your health care costs went up. I'm telling you this for a reason. Because when you sit down, and if you listen to the news, if you're not listening to it in a spirit of faith and the spirit of truth, you're in trouble. Because I'm telling you something, even the things that they're purporting about this virus, it's not all true. It's not all true. As a matter of fact, the more I look at it, the largest extent of it I'm finding not to be true. It is true, people have suffered and people are hurting because of it, and I'm not negating that. But I'm telling you, listen, anything that breeds fear, anything that tries to breed all of this fear and loathing and dread, it's got its origins in the devil. And Jesus said in John 8 that the devil is a liar, and not only is he a liar, he invents it out of his own lying nature. If it brings fear, if it brings dread, it's not coming from God. It's not truth. Truth never brings fear. Truth brings reverence. Truth brings respect. It doesn't bring fear. Amen. 
Somebody said, yeah, but when I heard the truth about hell, it, it scared me. And I got to say, no, it didn't scare you. It brought you a godly reverence that your life was not pleasing to God and you needed to change or the consequences were going to be dire. Amen. Hallelujah. What we have to be cautious of is this. We cannot miss God in this election. We cannot miss God. We cannot. And the Bible says that by the blessing of the upright, the city is blessed. By the blessing of the upright. There are enough Christians in this nation that we should never lose an election. Are y'all with me? We shouldn't lose. And I'm imploring you. I need you to be a voice for those 61 million children that have been aborted. I need you to be a voice this November and say, we're not putting up with that anymore and we're not putting anybody in office that's for that. And that's our way of saying to those 61 million, listen, we're sorry that we didn't do more when we could have. But we're going to do it this time. Amen. Do you see that? And when we, when we make that decision, when we make that decision, listen, the pulpit has always been the steering wheel for the nation. Amen. And if we Christians just sit on the sidelines and think, well, you know, after all, I mean, I don't want to be political. You are, listen, there's a movie. I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to quit, but I feel the Holy Spirit telling me to say this. And a king is, is, has just come out of a battle and, and, and they're saying that another group is coming. And they were telling him, you need to do something. And he said, I will not risk open war. And one man sitting at his table said, open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. This fight is on us whether we want it or not. It's here in our generation. And we are the voice of truth in the generation that we're a part of. And we owe it to our generation and the generations that are coming to make the righteous choice and make righteous judgment and vote the way the Bible tells us to vote along those lines, not party lines, along, along lines that are, that are moral and godly and centered in the Word of God. And it doesn't matter who you know that disagrees with you. It doesn't matter what your family says. Jesus said the decisions that you make sometimes will cause your family members to be at odds with you. They will cause your friends to be at odds with you. He said, but here's the thing. If you'll stand up for what's right, at that day you will enter into the joy of the Lord that's prepared for you and you won't miss it. If you're willing to make the hard choice in some of those decisions, God will reward you for it. Voting is not only a constitutional right of the American, it is a spiritual requirement by God that you do your part to put godly leadership in our nation. Amen. We have to. We have to. Glory be to God.
Whoo, glory. Now, I may be preaching to the choir a little bit there, but we need to understand that. Recognize the lie. Recognize the lie. We are the majority. There's more Christians in this nation than there is any other belief system. There's more Christians worldwide than there are any other belief system. The fastest growing segment of any religion is Pentecostalism. We're the fastest growing part of any religion. Hallelujah. Estimates are right now that a thousand people a week are being saved in China. In the underground church. They can't even have public meetings. Amen. There's revival going on all around us. There's revival going on in America. We're going to preach on revival tonight. There's revival going on in America. People are hungry. People are hurting. People are confused. People are hearing the lies of the devil and they need the church to be what Jesus said it is, a city set on a hill, a city that cannot be hidden, a light that is shining and influencing people. It's not the time for us to turn inward. It's the time for us to reach out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up, everybody.